Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is David Guile, ex-CEO at McDonald Hotels and now leadership coach extraordinaire. Coming up on today's show... David reveals that not all his promotions were straightforward. And I literally saw it and just put it straight in the bin. I never, ever had any idea that I would end up getting that job. Phil is somewhat presumptuous. And this is probably the best piece of advice you could ever give anybody. And David demonstrates that there's no wrath like Granny Wrath. And the Granny got very, very upset and almost sort of whacked me with her handbag as if it was all my fault. All that and so much more as David talks us through his story and journey to date. There's so much in here around leadership and finding your own style and this chat felt very much like a session with David. He dropped so many wonderful things in our chat. A huge thank you to him for that. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week telling the amazing and always amusing stories from hospitality. So please remember to like, subscribe and review on whatever platform you're listening. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today, I'm super excited to welcome someone who's played his part in the jigsaw puzzle of how this podcast even came to be. And perhaps he doesn't even know that, but we'll come on to that shortly. He's had, what, well, basically one hell of a career within hotels, which saw him rise to the chief exec's position at McDonald Hotels. And after 13 years of service with them, he took the decision to take a step back from the operations and focus his energy into what is clearly a great strength, and that's leadership development, and now has his own company as a leadership coach. Amongst all this, he still likes to keep his eye in in the hotel world, as, as well as being a, a board trustee of two awesome charities, Room to Reward and Daisy's Dream. And as if he wasn't busy enough, he also found time to write an award-winning book, beautifully entitled Potential. So it gives me huge pleasure in welcoming David Guile to the show. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for that introduction. No problem at all. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How about you? Yes. Good, good, good. The sun is out today. It is. And um, I'm not going to talk about the weather. I just can't <laughs> help myself. But, um, <laughs> straight into it. Stop it, Phil. Did I get the? Did I get everything accurate in the? Uh, I, I, th- I in yes, the you, you, you did. Yeah, I thought it was a very good summary, Phil. I couldn't have done better myself. So thank you for that. Great. Are we? Are we done then? Shall we? Leave yeah, it that's, that's and, it. Uh, yeah. That's it. Not much more to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, brilliant. Where? Uh, where in the world are you today? Where are you recording? Um, this? I'm recording uh, this from my office at home. Um, I live. I live in Berkshire, just outside Reading. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, working from home, which I guess most people are doing at the moment. Although I was in London last week, there's certainly, uh, I think, a a buzz back in London and I think a a return to the office. So I think that's good for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I I was in yesterday, actually, for Hotel 360. And um, yeah, the the centre of London is definitely definitely moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which has got to be good for, for the industry. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing for me was always around where I think it's one thing for the West End to come back because that's very tourism related. Mm. But when the city starts getting busy again, then that's kind of the indication that there's a, a little bit of more normality out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And long may that continue. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever normality is anymore. Absolutely. But, um, it's the new normal, Phil. 
Indeed. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think next year when I run this podcast, I'm going to have a swear box, and um, any there's got some key things that if if words are ever mentioned, then yeah. people have got to dip into their pocket and give to charity. I think, and the new normal will be one of them. I'll so try and avoid any more. I'll try and avoid any more. Excellent. Yeah. So, do you know how you played your part in how this podcast? I'm, came about. I'm intrigued, Phil. So please, I know you spoke to me a, about a year and a half ago about it, and it's taken us this long to, to catch up. But no, please enlighten me. Yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, um, and I suppose this is there's some lessons here as well. And this is this is me turning back into Uncle Phil moment uh, again. But I remember I've known about you for years. I've been working in recruitment now for 17 years. And, and you're, you know, you, as I said at the beginning, you've you forged out one hell of a career in, in the world of hotels. Thank you. And um, as a younger recruiter, people like you, for me, were always like, oh, yeah, I, I really want to connect with these people because, you know, you're, you're the guys that make the the, the world go round in, in hospitality. But there's this confidence issue that you have to build to, I think, or certainly I did. When I, I started my own business, that, that kind of confidence thing just went and I just thought, I'm going to start reaching out to people that I want, or certainly I'm intrigued by and want to do business with. And at that point, you'd actually become a leadership coach. Mm-hmm. And I was just intrigued about your story as to how that happened. And then I reached out to you on LinkedIn, and you very kindly agreed to have a, a coffee with me. And we had a, a lovely session just chewing the fat that yeah, day. Um, that. And then we've had respective ones. You told me that you'd uh, written a book. You very kindly gifted me a copy of that book. And we'll talk about the book, I'm sure, at some point. And then you said you were you're hosting this leadership event, which was at the Conrad, as it was then, in St. James's. Yeah. And I attended that. Very inspired by that. You and I had further discussions, but it was actually going to that leadership event that really sparked something in me that said, I, "There's you need to be doing more here in the industry and that was initially I was going to write a blog and then I realized under conversation that actually having conversations with people was far more powerful in my view and therefore that's how the the podcast kind of evolved from there so yeah it's um when I look back on that it's it's I find it really really intriguing how things can weave together just by talking to people no, absolutely. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't realised that, Phil. I mean, I enjoyed our, our conversations, and I, and I, and I know you attended the leadership event that I that I put on, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm uh, very pleased to have played my part in that. So, uh, thank you very much for 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 acknowledging that. Pleasure, and I I, I always valued our our time together. The um, our we we seemed to put the world to rights and yeah. figure everything out. Yeah, in those times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if only it was that easy now. But uh, I no, I agree, and and I think that's something that that I really enjoy is in terms of you know um, catching up with people, meeting new people in the industry and outside the industry, and you know, and just getting together over a coffee with with no agenda really, and 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 just yep. learning about you know things within the industry, getting to know people a bit better, and and you never know what what things you know can happen and what it will lead to. And yeah. um, I think you, when you say, you know, you look back, you don't know where your career is going. And, um, you know, you look back and think, gosh, you know, through that conversation or through meeting that person or by applying for that job, the sequence of events has, has led to, you know, where we are today. Yeah. 
it's um i i find that endlessly fascinating yes and i think it's it's something as a, an industry that we do very well actually is um we're, we're even in moments where we're all busy we are good at finding time for people yes and um and i value that highly I, as you say you just never know when a conversation leads to either a spark of inspiration or whether yeah. a, a coming together of you know mutual agreement that leads to some form of business or whatever so it's, exactly it's exactly and, and when i you know think about you know my career and some of the things i've done you know i i, I can look back and think gosh you know i never thought i would write a book or i never thought that i would be running a company but it's just little things that perhaps you know have, have changed the course of your career um yeah. you know something by chance or by luck or something that you you've initiated so uh, yeah it's all, all to play for yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean that's a, a nice little segue actually then into into your own journey. Yeah. So as I said, you've you had a an illustrious career within the world of hotels, but obviously you built to that. You didn't wake up one morning and <laughs> was a, a chief executive um, no. <laughs> at the age of twenty one <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, take us all the way back. Okay. How did you how did you get into the industry in the first place? Uh, well, it was by chance. Um, I hadn't right. intended to uh, become a hotelier or work in a hotel. It was actually by chance. Um, I, I went to, I didn't go to university. I went to a polytechnic, which are now universities, um, studied mm. business management, so business studies. I just did an HMD. Didn't, didn't do the hotel management option. Um, I did a tourism option because I wanted to work abroad. And I had right. really no idea of what I wanted to do. And I fell into hotels. I got a summer job at the Crest Hotel in Gatwick, which was my first hotel. And um, 30 years later, I had continuous service with that company, although mm. five, I worked for five different companies under 2P. But I started as a part-time receptionist for the summer, and I didn't leave. I was then right. um, taken on as a sort of internal trainee manager which I did for 18 months and and I found that I I really enjoyed the industry I got a buzz from it and and I could see that there was going to be a lot of opportunities if you worked hard and that excited me so I went for a summer job as receptionist in the crest at Gatwick and 30 years later I left the industry um, having been you know the CEO of McDonald Hotels and in that time I worked for Crest, and then we went to Forte, then we went to Granada, then we went to Compass, and then eventually McDonald Hotels bought the Heritage Hotels from Compass. So right. uh, that's my journey. I mean, it's it's I guess it's a two part journey in 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 that career. So I had fifteen years with um, Forte Hotels, and then I had fifteen years with with McDonald Hotels, and I think I've done most jobs at various different levels throughout that that 30 years yeah so yeah so it was it's an interesting ride I mean I, I my initial I mean I had a few career choices I, I wanted to be a prison officer that was my first I wanted to be a prison governor wow which yeah which um, you might be the first person I've ever spoken to that had that as a an aspiration oh yeah no that that really interests me and and when I think about it you know there's a lot of similarities between that and running a hotel you know, you're managing a building, I guess the, the locks are on the other side of the door. 
Um, <laughs> you, you don't have to worry too much about where your business is coming from. But um, it's, you know, it was something that interests me. But uh, I eventually uh, took, a, took a different path. Yeah, well, I'm I, pleased I, I, I did. You know, <laughs> it, well, I bet, yeah. I, I'd never thought about it that way until you'd said. So maybe <laughs> it was just, maybe it was just one of those things whereby your your brain knew that you wanted to be a, a hotelier, but actually you just hadn't figured out that yet. exactly. And that was that was the thing that presented itself first, and you went, "Oh, yeah, yeah I'll go, I'll go do. for, I'll go for that, I'll go for that." Yeah, but well, um, I mean, hey, I mean, it's a it's a phenomenally honourable job to to do to do that i i i definitely couldn't do it you know i'd so i take my hat off to anybody who yeah and and, and me too and i'm I'm pleased i didn't but i i suppose in a way i saw it as as a challenge and you need to you know to be resilient you can make a difference it's almost getting you know a a positive message out out from a i don't know sort of a challenging negative experience but no i i was very excited about hotels once i once i started to work in them and I think, although I've, I've never been that ambitious, and I know that sounds, you know, in terms of a little bit strange after, you know, when, about my career, but I've always been quietly ambitious, but never that ambitious. But I saw in the hotel sector that, you know, if you worked hard, you could move up that ladder pretty quickly. Mm. And, and, you know, I think that when I started in the crest at Gatwick, you know, all I wanted to do was be a duty manager. I wanted to hold that bunch of keys and and be a duty manager and and have that responsibility and 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 then I sort of thought well once I've become duty manager it'd be great to be you know an assistant manager and 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 move up that ladder and and that excited me the opportunities that presented themselves yeah so it's so it's actually the keys then it was the keys that made you want to go into the prison yeah exactly it's keys again there you go I hadn't thought about that (laughs) It was that bunch of duty manager keys that I was desperate to get my yeah. hands on. Yeah. <laughs> and once I got oh, hold brilliant. of them, I wasn't going to let them go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, the the words you used there, quietly ambitious, I yeah. think is great because I, you know, I think if you're outwardly ambitious, people can sometimes mis- mistaken you for uh, you know being arrogant. Yeah. But actually, if you're just if you've got your and this is probably the best piece of advice you could ever give anybody is just get your head down and crack on, as you've said, then inevitably opportunity comes your way. Well, in uh, any case, yes. pro- probably before you're even sort of considering it. And, and, and I've always believed that. I mean, there, there is a fine line between confidence and arrogance and then, and, you know, and, and it is a, a difficult sort of balance because you need to be confident. But at the same yeah. time, you don't want to be overconfident or being perceived as being arrogant. But but I I have always sort of just focused on the job that I was given. I, I tried to keep my head down and, and almost let my actions and my results. And as I grew within a business and had a team, you know, allowed them to do the talking for you. And I always felt that if, you know, if you just focused on the task in hand and that you did it to the best of your ability, that other opportunities will present themselves. And, and I, I found that to, to be true, whether that was, you know, fortuitous or whether it was meant to be, but I did find that. I, I never, ever imagined in a million years that I would be a CEO of a, you know, large independent, one of the leading hotel companies in the UK. That yeah. never even would have crossed my mind. 
I think, you know, the most I'd set myself was to be a general manager by the age of 30. I hadn't even thought beyond that. Um, And when I, you know, was in a leadership position and, and now as I coach, a bit of, you know, sort of coaching I give is, you know, just focus on on making the most of the opportunity that you have, you know, do the best you can deliver the best results through your people, and then opportunities will present themselves. You know, it's great to have a plan, of course, but don't focus too much on that plan, focus on the task in hand and doing the best that you can. And, you know, then doors will open. And when those doors open, and I was fortunate that, you know, a few doors opened for me. And and luck does play a part. But once you get that bit of luck and that door opens, push on that door as hard as you can and make the most of it. And then another yep. door will open. And that, that works for me anyway. That worked for me. But I think it, it, that's, it's very good fundamentals to, to just work towards because you're all you're really doing there is controlling your own kind of involvement in something it's you know you're just you're controlling your reaction to something if you're if if you're given the opportunity to do a job it's not maybe sometimes it's not necessarily the job that you you had ever thought that you would be going into but then you can see if you do that it's going to lead somewhere else so just get your head down and crack on and you know do the best you can in in that job and you'll soon get the, the the next opportunity and that is just all about controlling your own reaction to something absolutely it's you know being in control of what you can control um yeah. and i think that that's you know a good good piece of advice and you know i i've worked with you know obviously you know as i've grown up within the business and, and taken on more senior roles you know i've worked alongside a lot of people and i've seen a lot of people sort of grow within their careers and you know there are so many people now out in the business who are running businesses you know that I've worked with in the past and mm. and um, I've always sort of tried to coach them and mentor them to you know really sort of again you know focus on getting the best out of the people that you work for and you know spend more time impressing the people that you work for as opposed to the sorry who work for you as opposed to the people that you work for, because those results, you know, your team will 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 be your champion almost, yep. and that seems to have worked well for you know a, a lot a lot of people. Yeah, well, I I, I think that's very clear to say because we I mean we spoke before the the microphone was turned on about two previous guests, yep. Paul Spencer and Chris Wayne Wills, mm-hmm. who both you know t- tipped their their hat to you in in our chats. So clearly you made the right kind of impact uh, on on people uh, when you were in that you know the the, the big positions of leadership. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I would uh, I'd like to think so and that's what I have always enjoyed. You know, everyone is different. You know, every leader has their own own style. You know, my style is very different to Paul Spencer's as it is to Chris Wayne Wills. You know, we've all got our own style, but it's about what works for you. How do you get the best out of people? in terms of the style that, that you approach, you know, the principles are always the same. It, you know, the execution can be, can be different. And, um, you know, I think that that's really important, you know, be true to yourself and, and what works for you and, and what has helped you get results. And I, as you change companies, I and mean, I worked for five different companies, the culture in each of those companies was, was very different, you know, and you yeah. have to adapt to that culture but at the same time, you have to stay true to what works for you. 
you know, I, I, I knew, you know, what worked for me, how to get the best out of, of people. And, you know, you can adapt and it can evolve and it can develop, but you don't change fundamentally who you are and, and what you stand for. And, um, yeah. you know, I can remember in, you know, we went from com- uh, from Granada, which was a very relaxed, informal company who um, had a real focus on, on people. It was very progressive, very different to Forte, which was very traditional and, and, and quite, you know, structured and formal. And, and then I went to McDonald's, which is, again, a privately owned company, which had a, you know, a different culture to Granada. And you have to stay true to yourself in what makes you successful and what gets the best out of people. But at the same time, you have to adapt to the environment that you that you work in. Um, but yeah. I can remember one of my old bosses saying to me, you know, David, you're too nice. You're never going to make it because you're too nice. <laughs> and, you know, which I took as a backhanded compliment. But I said, you know, I may come across as nice. And I believe I, you know, I have the sort of emotional intelligence to get the best out of people but that doesn't yeah. mean that i'm not strong and that i'm not focused and um i don't get results we all do it in our own way um, yeah, yeah. and i think that's so important and um, i did a little chapter in the book on you know nice guys can finish first because yeah. um i i was told that you know i wouldn't so uh, it was nice yeah. to um to prove to prove that wrong I think that's great, though, that you have you have been able to prove that because that's definitely something I, I like to think of myself as a nice guy, and I've yeah. I've always done fairly well. Uh, I think just coming back to that thing about you know when you you when when you learn that you can control your own attitude towards things, yes, then it makes a massive difference in in terms of how you can progress. Yes, but it doesn't. Coming back to your point about being true to yourself. I got told exactly the same thing. You'll never be, you're, you're too nice to become a, a leader yeah. um, of, of businesses. And actually, you know, that, it's just about you finding your own way. Yes. There's no one size fits all mm. to do this. And in, in fact, at this point in time, I'd suggest that, uh, that leadership through kindness is exactly what we need yeah. uh, in the industry uh, more than ever before because of, you know, we, we've got staffing issues in terms of the, the quantity of people that we're, we're now working from within the talent pool. We've got to look after these people. And that generally comes from being kind, yeah. you know, and then offering the, the opportunities to develop and, and so on and so forth. But, but actually, I completely agree with you, especially on that point around the, you know, the nice, nice can have its influence mm. for sure in in the workplace and especially if you're coming back to your earlier point around the fact that you have you know you were quietly ambitious you know that's probably a trait of somebody who's generally quite a nice person because you're not you're not wanting to outwardly show the world what your what your hand is yeah and i think i think you make a good point there just into i think you know leadership has evolved and and you know especially in the last sort of couple of years it it is all very much about you know people centric and and you know well-being mental health and development and giving people opportunities and i think you know our employees are more demanding as well of of leaders to demonstrate mm. the the sort of emotional intelligence you know and and you can still be you know have all that emotional intelligence and human skills but still get results still be tough but you you do it in a in a professional 
way with with you know measured considered and, and with integrity and you know yeah. I, I think back again to you know when you become a leader you have to make really tough decisions you know which are going to upset people and you know I, I, I you know I must have made hundreds of people redundant you know I'm not proud of it I must have walked a number of general managers for whatever reason but yeah. but you know, as long as you do it with professionalism and integrity um, and treat people as best you can when you're having to make those difficult decisions. And, you know, I think that that's that that's so important. That's so important. Yeah. But, you know, I think if, if you speak to people who have worked for me, they'll know I'm pretty tough. You know, I, I might do it in a nice way, but they know where, you know, you've got to get that sort of relationship where, um you know, you, you, you can be tough and, and demanding and, and, and you, you want results. But at the same time, it's about being supportive, building relationships and, and motivating, you know, the team to achieve. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, I wrote an article in one of my blogs about Gareth Southgate. And, you know, I, there was something in the press again when he was appointed. You now, is he too nice to be the England manager? Yeah. You know, he's a bit weak, <laughs> a bit soft, you know. But, but again, you know, he's demonstrated that sort of, leadership style can get can get results yeah 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 it also carries that i read uh, carlo ancelotti's book actually yeah. quiet leadership yeah and his point around the fact that he he doesn't say a lot uh, mm. actually as a leader you know he lets the, the the natural talent of people try to flourish but when he does speak up it carries extra weight because people are not used to him speaking up so, you know, yeah. there, there's a lot to be said for, for having that approach. I mean, I, that comes back to being true to yourself again, though, doesn't it, ultimately? It, it does. And, and, it, and, and about, you know, letting, and I think that's a great point, you know, letting people flourish, you know, and, and there's some advice I was given early on in my career was, you know, recruit people who are more specialist than you, are stronger than you, um, mm -hmm. you know, so that surround yourself with the best people that you can. And just because they may know more than you doesn't mean you can't lead them and lead the business to success. And it's about how you lead people. And I think, yeah. you know, that's always stayed with me, especially, you know, in my career where, you know, I was 30 years old or 31 years old. I'd only been a general manager for three years. And I was sort of plucked by Granada, which was sort of Charles Allen who headed it, to sort of take on a, a, a very large regional role and i looked after like 30 general managers and i thought to myself right. you know i've got no i've got very little experience of of managing hotels all these people are far more experienced than me they're all in heritage hotels which were more challenging to run because they were more bespoke individual it's more of a an entrepreneurial approach i had worked in post house which was very sort of um regimented and standardized you know, or very process driven. And I thought, mm. you know, how am I ever going to lead this team and manage these people? And I say the advice I was given was, you know, learn from them. Doesn't just because they're more experienced than you, you know, doesn't mean that they can't learn from you either. And, and your job is to lead the team. And, and that's yeah. really stayed with me. And as I've grown in the business and when I was the chief exec in McDonald Hotels, you know, I surrounded myself with very, very strong people, the best I could find. The majority of the ones that I've worked with in the past who have grown up with me, who are far more specialist in those areas than I was. 
but I was mm. able to pull the team together, set that vision, set the goals, you know, and, and help them to, to achieve. Yeah. So you don't need to know it all. You don't need to know it all. That's for sure. Because if you yeah, did, there's I, no way you, I would have made it. <laughs> well, at that and the, at the fact that you can't know it all anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you're, there's only so much we can retain. Um, yeah. And, you know, as you become the general manager, the, the, the clue is in the title, isn't it? Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. You're, you're more of a generalist and it is about your leadership capability yeah. rather than your knowledge yeah. of revenue strategy and sales and marketing and yeah. finance and all of these things. Yes, you probably have a... Uh, a good level of understanding, but you've got somebody in your business who has more yes. level of understanding. But although, although that feel that that you know sort of comes naturally to you and and it makes sense, you'd be surprised the amount of people that will recruit specialists and then you know start to tell them how to do it. Yeah. And you know, and and that happens a lot, and I've seen it a lot in the people that I'm that I've coached or in some of the businesses I've worked in. You know, there's no point in recruiting these strong people and then telling them what to do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, you know, I feel quite strongly about, you know, getting the right team around you. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, then it, make, it makes your job easier as well. And, um, and everyone flourishes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, one of the things I took away from the, the leadership, the first leadership event that you did, because uh, you did do two that yes. I attended That's at least, it. was uh, around knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are and actually yeah. focusing more on your strengths than on your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, I'd never thought about it that way. I'd mm -hmm. always been, come from the school of lift your weaknesses. Obviously, you continue to work on them. Yes. But don't let that dominate your day because you, you, you'll lose energy on it. But actually, the things that bring you energy are the things that you're good at. You know, And it's actually such a clever and simple thing that uh, until yeah. that point I had never thought about it that way. No, I, I, absolutely, and it, it is an interesting point. And again, you know, it's only over a period of time that I've started to really, you know, to realise that build on what you're good at. And you know, it can take a lot of energy to try and correct a weakness, but how much impact and difference is that really going to make? But if you're good at something, you know, focus on that and make yourself even better and stronger and, and then yep. you're in almost in a better position to tackle some of the other challenges yeah so and and i think strength-based coaching is so important you know a lot of people will come in with some some challenges and things they want to correct but it's only when you you challenge them in terms of you know what are your strengths what are you good at because a lot of people really struggle to identify their strengths um, yep. and don't realize that they have some of the strengths that, that they have and um I think you know it, it's certainly a, a new way of looking about how do you how do you grow, and, and in coaching, it's not about trying to correct things; it's about making yourself better in the things that you're good at, so that you become even stronger in that in that area. Yeah, and that's where your natural energy is. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Well. So, yeah, and and we have a tendency, you know, to focus on the things that we're not good at as opposed to the things that we are good at. Mm. Yep. And it's about, you know, for me, catching people doing things right than catching people doing things wrong. Yeah. Um, it's that whole sort of approach and and sort of, you know, the way that the way that you think. Yeah, that's that's a, a, another great line, actually. Yeah, God, you're, you're you should write a book. Oh, wait. <laughs> I should. 
I hope I'm not having to put a, a pound in for in your pot about the cliche. No, no, none of these are in the swear box list. Don't worry, it's uh, all COVID-related stuff that that will be going in there. Uh, yeah, no, um, you know, I've got a few more up my sleeve as well, Phil, on that one. But one I always yeah. use in coaching, and you talked about it before in terms of what you're in control of, you know, and I, yeah. I and you know, I say to some people, you know, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf them. And I think for me, that was really, you know, that resonates really strongly with me. You know, you don't waste all your energy and stress about things that are outside of your control. You have to accept that that's how they are. And and Mm. what you, what you need to focus your energy is in, is how you deal with that. Yeah. Of how you deal with that, with that situation and, and, you know, learn to deal with the situation because it's not going to change. You have to change how you react to it. Yeah. And um, I think that's that's worked, you know, well for me in the, in, you know, in the companies that I've worked for. Yeah, and never more prevalent than that. You know, nobody had a manual to hand over to to people on on how do you how do you close your hotel and reopen it and close it again and reopen yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you've got no forecasting capability uh, at all and no no playbook to understand how we deal with landlords, how we deal with local authority so on and so forth um you have just got to as you say get on the surfboard and ride yes. it yes um, and do, do the best you can exactly and and again you know it is a little bit of a cliche but you know you learn from your mistakes you pick yourself up and you 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 get on with it again yeah and uh, you know it's all about resilience and i think resilience is is a, a such an essential trait of leadership you have to have personal resilience yeah and you know and and be able to fail and come back stronger and, um, you know, keep going. Yeah. I think that being able to fail is massively important as well. Yeah. Because that's inevitable uh, yes. as well. You can't have a, an upward trajectory of success for, no. for the whole time of your, your life and career. No, you're always going to have setbacks. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's how you deal with those setbacks that actually make you the person and the leader that, that you become. Yeah. I feel like I'm having a session here today, <laughs> as uh, as opposed to talking about your journey. But I find it really, really fascinating. It's such a an interesting topic, oh, no, and thank you. and needed. I, I, you know, as I, I said earlier, I, I just think that your know, leadership can be the savior of everything uh, mm. that, that's wrong uh, in any sector. You know, it, it, it's all about how that leadership deals with things and and accepts that there are some things that are not perfect. But how do we get past the non-perfect yes. stuff yes you know and there's all manner of short-term problems medium-term and long-term at the moment so mm. it's um yeah, yeah. I, I just it's a, it's a conversation that i think is needs to be kept front and center because i, I do genuinely believe that, that that good leadership will um will help the industry massively absolutely yeah no i'd, I'd agree with that i'd agree with that so I uh, I have taken you off your your journey yeah. a little bit. Granted, it, it you you definitely gave us a a kind of simple form yeah. of it because you obviously you didn't really transition companies. The companies transitioned uh, absolutely, uh, as it were. Yes, which is unu- unusual. I don't think I've had that as a a, a whole career yeah. path. And obviously, I say whole career path. You're forging a new career for yourself now. Yeah. But you did make it to GM before you were 30. Yes. You were then put into the regional role at the at the age of 31, 32? Yes. Correct. Yes. Which is, I mean, you know, with the best will in the world, that yeah. is remarkable. 
Well, it, yeah, and again, I think it comes back to the fact that I never ever imagined myself doing it, and and yeah. the, the story was is that I'd, I'd been in Hemel Hempstead Post House, which was the new flagship post house that only been open sort of eighteen months. They knocked it down and rebuilt it, and it was the sort of forte flagship for Post House. And I was right. um, given the opportunity to run it. I'd been there about eighteen months. And, you know, it was successful. The product was great. The team was great and, and business was strong. And um, Granada had just sort of taken over, had that hostile takeover bid with Forte. And there was a very different sort of culture coming in via Jerry Robinson and Charles Allen. And right. I was fortunate that I was in one of the flagship properties in Post House. And a, um, a vacancy, sort of internal vacancy came within you know was distributed within the business to say they were looking for a regional director for heritage which was looking after sort of 30 hotels etc cetera, etc cetera, as a regional director does and i literally saw it and just put it straight in the bin i never ever had any idea <laughs> that i would end up getting that job i i didn't apply for it but my boss at the time a gentleman called martin gray who was an exceptional leader. He was, he was quite unique in his leadership style, but he, he had such a, fan, he, he was great at spotting potential. Um, I know, again, that's a little bit of a cliche, but he saw people who perhaps weren't ready for the role, but he saw, he saw that they had something in them. And he was yeah. a risk taker. He was prepared to sort of promote people who perhaps weren't quite ready for the role but could grow into the role he was very progressive and I can remember him coming to see me and saying to me have you you know have you applied for this vacancy and I said what what vacancy and he said the vacancy <laughs> for regional director of heritage I said no why, why would I do that I said I've only been a GM for three and a half years I only know post house you know, I'd, I'd gone through a difficult sort of personal journey at that time and was sort of just, I'd moved house and had a few, you know, sort of challenges. And I thought, God, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just about coping here. And he said, no, I want you to go for it. And um, I had to sort of pinch myself anyway, to cut a long story short, I, I went for it and, and I was up against some very experienced people. And I think when I, was when it was announced that I had got the job, no one was more surprised than me or more shocked than me. But I, <laughs> I, I, but a lot of my colleagues just like didn't know quite what was happening. But I thought, well, now I've got to prove that I can do it. Others have yeah. seen something in me. I've got to actually see it in myself. And um, it was a fantastic opportunity that I had to make the most of. And yeah, and it sort of opened the door to... Um, you know, the start really of, of my regional role and, and my regional career. And I had Martin yeah. Gray and um, the late Tracy Robbins, who was sort of my mentor, who who very sort of sadly passed away a few years ago. You know, she really, both of them really believed in me and and sort of gave me the confidence to, you know, to be to be able to do the job. Um, yeah, well, so that's massively important, isn't it? That, it uh, is. It, obviously, they back you because you were given the job, but uh, that's one thing. But it's not then leaving you to hang out to dry. No, and there was. I had a lot of support, but within a year, we had restructured. Sort of Granada went on this um, sort of massive restructure, and I ended up 
being regional director, looking after 55 hotels within a year. So sort of in a year and a half, I was suddenly general manager of the Post House in Hemel Hempstead to being um, vice president, I can't remember what they called it, or regional director of the west of the country, which was 55 properties because we went clustering. So it was a massive, massive learning curve and a, and a big jump. And I look back and I, I think, gosh, I'm not quite sure how I how I managed it or survived, but but you do, yeah. and you know, and it was a great lesson for me. And um, I'm sure some of the managers that reported into me <laughs> were thinking, my my bloody gosh, what have we got here? But yeah, you yeah. know, I it, it proved to be a, a great opportunity for me, and I met some fantastic people. And you know, some of those people I worked with then, you know, were working with me at McDonald Hotels, you know. Um, which is which is which has been great that a lot of people have come yeah. on that journey with me. Yeah, well, I mean that speaks volumes in itself. Is that you know people clearly wanted to work for you, and especially that becomes more important the more yeah. leadership positions yeah. you need to have in your teams to, exactly. to be able to to get doing stuff. That you know, it, it, it's quite a small small industry in the, in the end. You know, it, there, especially as you climb the ranks, the the pool of people, of course get smaller and smaller yes. uh, at the same sort of level. Yes. You want to, uh, you know, you, you build trust in people, don't you? And that's reciprocated and, you know, these relationships can last a lifetime. No, they, they, they can do very much, very much so, very much so, yeah. And I think that's, that's, so, that's so important, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's still, it's, it's a remarkable story in itself in the, in the sense of that, that from the outside looking in, people would look at it and go, God, he's far too young for that mm. and probably looked at that from the inside as well you probably had gms who were way older than you and well, you're know, way more absolutely. experienced at that level yeah yeah but all you did i guess was control your attitude to what was put in front of you be and, thankful that yeah. somebody saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself yeah uh, at the time and um and just get your head down and crack on absolutely. again absolutely make the most of it and um no, I'd agree. And I think a lot of it, again, was down to sort of Granada and, you know, Charles Allen and the way that he saw the business. I think if it was still with, with Forte, you know, a lot of the managers who had been with Forte over the years, you know, w- would have certainly, you know, been in been in line for, the, for that position. So, it, again, it was fortunate that I was in a, in a quite high-profile property. Granada had just taken over. And they wanted, I think, a, a new approach. And, and they yeah. wanted to, a different culture. And I think that I was sort of in the right place at the right time, you know, and took advantage of it. But, you know, something else that comes up in, in coaching a lot for, for me and, you know, some very sort of well-known leaders, you know, it's all about that imposter syndrome. You know, you almost have to, yeah. you know, pinch yourself to say, you know, can I do this job? <laughs> Obviously, people believe that you can, but you suddenly sort of, you know, sort of reflect and think, gosh, you know, uh, do I have yeah. the right to be here? And I certainly felt that when I took on that role. And, and you know, and I felt that even when, you know, I was CEO of McDonald Hotels, you, you, you sort of look back, you think, gosh, how did I get here? Uh, yeah. How did this happen? <laughs> I fell asleep one day and woke up and I was yeah. chief executive of how did this uh, happen? a prominent you, hotel company. You, you have to sort of challenge those sort of insecurities and feelings that you can't do it. Uh, you know, you have to reframe it, the fact that, well, actually, you know, I am, I have been, I am here. There's a reason why I'm here. And, you know, let me demonstrate 
to everyone else and to myself, mm. you know, why, why I have got this position. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it is interesting in that respect the, that how, how careers can take off. Yeah. I had this, the same relationship with luck earlier in my career. I, I, lots of good things happened to me early in my career and I put it down to luck. Yeah. I just like, I was always felt like, you know, why is this happening to me? I don't feel like I've done anything special. Yeah. But then I remember one of my early career mentors sitting me down and say, stop believing it's luck. Yeah. Because, you know, you things, good things are happening to you because you're, you're doing all the right things exactly. and you know, you're, you're just get getting on with it. And, uh, exactly. and I didn't think that what I was doing was exceptional in any way, shape or form. Yeah. But you can even, you can put your head up above the parapet just by doing the fundamentals correctly and coming into work with a cracking attitude and um and you can make progress before you you know you just think that how, how does why does this keep happening to me yes yes I, yeah slightly different in the sense that you you know you were a multi-regional general manager you know in, into your early 30s mm. my that kind of was happening to me early 20s and i was i was on one cruise ship but i was making such quick progress and I, I remember looking back at the age of 23 i was the deputy food and beverage manager for you know a, a 15 food and beverage outlet cruise ship yeah and thinking at the time i was just in the in the moment but now i look back and i, and I go what what were they thinking mm. putting me in with that level of responsibility and it's it, with all surrounded by so many people who were way more experienced yes and it um and it just comes down to that thing again you just control your own response to it and i definitely had imposter syndrome with yeah. that at that time i i think you'll be surprised at the amount of people that do have that imposter syndrome and, yeah. and i see it almost as a positive and, a, and as a strength if you use it in in the right way and you talk about luck I, I you know i do believe in luck but i also believe that you create your own luck you know you do create yeah. the opportunity to have some lucky breaks and and as i say when you get one make the most of it Absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you were into McDonald's hotels then next. Yes. You started there as a, as a regional director. Yeah. I was a regional director for the, for the South. So we came over with the sort of acquisition of um, heritage hotels. So I came over as uh, managing director of the South or regional director of the South um, had about, I don't know, 20, 20 odd hotels. And then, we went through a lot of changes then because McDonald Hotels was sort of integrating another company into their into their company and the structures. So there was quite a lot yeah. of um, churn at the time. And because McDonald Hotels wasn't that represented in the south, it was very much a sort of north northwest Scottish business. There was only, I think, three hotels in the south. So again, it was a great opportunity for me to sort of represent the company down south majority of the hotels were the heritage hotels that I knew and um yeah I, I sort of I think for the next three years I I sort of ran that region and then I think I was made deputy I think I was managing director for the south and then I was made deputy chief executive um, for a couple of years and uh then chief executive for the last seven years that I was with McDonald Hotels so you know that was a great journey and you know Donald McDonald again saw I guess something in me and gave me a you know a fantastic opportunity and I think that helped that I'd worked with Donald for a few years he, I got to know him he got to know me and um, 
I, I guess I was the right fit at the time to, you know, to lead the business. Mm. You know, it was it was a, it was a great opportunity. It was a great challenge. Um, and I think we, you know, we had enormous success in terms of changing the perception of McDonald Hotels, which is very much, I think, seen as, you know, just focusing on profit with not as much focus on people and on service. But, mm. you know, we really flipped that on its head and, you know, we became an aspirational hotel company to work for. You know, we won the AA Hotel of the Year Award twice while I was CEO. We had some great results, EBITDA level. And, and you know, people were wanting to come and work for us. And um, it was a, you know, fantastic, fantastic journey of, of how we sort of changed, you know, turned the company around yep. and had a lot of support and, you know, really, really, in, you know, sort of learned a lot during that process. But it was tough. It was really tough. And I think, yeah. you know, once I left and looked back, I thought, gosh, you know, resilience does play a big part just in terms of, you know, leading a, a business. And we had some difficult times with the recession and the financial crisis and, and whatever. But I look back and I think, gosh, you know, we did well. We did really well. Yeah. And I'm really proud of what, what me and my team achieved there. Yeah, no, I, I, undoubtedly. And then, you know, I suppose, like most things, all good things come to an end. Yes. Uh, you did, as discussed, thir 13 years? Well, it was it was 29 years in total, and I rounded it up to 30 because <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah. so much better. But I did uh, 15 yeah. years with Forte and 14 years with, with McDonald's, but 29 and a half years it was. So I, I rounded yeah. up to 30. And, uh, That's and, fine. Um, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah, thank you. So I, I see that almost as two halves, fifth, you know, first 15 years, second 15 years. And now I'm on my, my third sort of chapter, um, mm. which, again, I, you know, never envisaged that I would be doing. But, it, but, you know, setting up my own company, doing what I'm passionate about, you know, working with people on a one-to-one -one basis in terms of, you know, maximizing potential and leadership and, um, you know, really, really in, in, enjoy it and, uh, you know, feel... Again, you know, when you work for a company, you're not totally in control. Again, you can only control what you can control. But when you yeah. work for yourself, it's very different. And I think, yeah. you know, having that sort of full control over what I choose to do, who I choose to work for, when I choose to work is a fantastic position to be in. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for the opportunity that, you know, I have now. And um, it's great. And, you know, I've done things I never thought I would do. You know, I didn't think I'd set up my own business. And, you know, and, that, and that's a, a challenge in itself. You know, I've always sort of been part of something much bigger, part of a mm. big business. You know, you, you, you represent the company, whereas, you know, representing yourself is, is very different. You know, but I've, I've um, worked with some fantastic people. You know, I, I wrote a book, which I never thought I would do. I've, yeah. You know, I've done some com leadership conferences that I've sort of, um, championed and headlined which you know I've been keynote speakers at conferences so it's just a completely different change for me and that, and I and I've really enjoyed it yeah yeah a any more books on the horizon no, well no more books um <laughs> I was when I did my first book I mean that was a really that was a great experience I learned so much from it and, and I never thought that the book, that anyone would buy the book. Again, it's my imposter syndrome coming out. I just thought, yeah. you know, who, who, who will want to read it? But it took off a you know, life of its own. It was a number one bestseller on Amazon um, in the leadership and management categories. I think it was something like eight weeks at number one. Um, right. It won the CMI 
Business Book of the Year award um, in 2018. Um, it's in the British Library. So, I mean, it's done, it did, you know, again, I just couldn't believe how, how well it did. And my publishers wanted me to do a second book. But when I reflected on it, I thought to myself, do I want to do that again? Well, I've almost done it. And I thought to myself, I'm in control now. And, you know, I'm not going to do things just because people are wanting me to do it. And I thought, no, I've done the book. I, it was a great experience, but, you know, I wanted to do different things. And, but the book has given me the opportunity to do the leadership conferences. Um, I've done an online course with it. You know, it, it's sort of a lot of companies have used the book as a basis for their conference. And I've gone in and, and sort Brilliant. of done a, done a keynote speech. So it's given me lots of opportunities, but I think I've, I've, I've done the book thing now. I have to say. Yeah. I mean, which is fair enough because the, um, it's also, it's a book that transcends industry. You yes. know, it's, it's not uh, yeah. an industry specific leadership book. No. Uh, as it were, all about, you know, finding your own potential. Yeah, that's there's a section in there about strengths and weaknesses, uh, of course, as yes. we discussed earlier. Yes. And it is, I mean, I just I, I'd recommend anybody to to read it that's uh, interested in in any kind of personal development. So Thank it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's um, and and st- still out there doing well as well. Well, it's it's still out there. It's um, it's the sales have <laughs> after four years or even longer, I think, of uh, not as buoyant as they were. But like any book or record or program, it, you know, it has its day. You you push it, you promote it, and then, um, you know, it fine. But it took a life of, on of its own, which you know I was just amazed about, really. And um, yeah, it, you know, it's been a, it's 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 been a really good experience for me to to have written it and to have gone through that process. Uh, I have to say, you know, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, it's like taking what's in your head and. Making yeah. sense of it all. Yeah, well, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, the first draft, I think the first draft, I mean, I think this must have been about draft 10 once the editor gets involved with it. But the right. first draft was was very different, I think, to what it ended up as. It was almost like a um, a download of, of everything that I'd learned or experienced or got frustrated about. But uh, as the redrafting and the editing went on, it sort of, you know, ended up in what it was. So Yeah. <laughs> No, I can. I can only imagine. I, can yeah, only imagine. Well, I think that would certainly have been a bestseller, the first draft, but that yeah. um, wasn't quite appropriate to, for my first book. <laughs> bestseller in your own family, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. Uh, so, what's um, what's what does the future hold? Um, I think just more of the same, really. You know, sort of hopefully working with with up and coming leaders, emerging leaders in the business. Um, I've got a couple of non-exec roles, which I really enjoy um, yeah. doing. So, um, you know, just see where, where things go and, and also get that balance, you know, that work-life balance, which is, is so important nowadays. And I look back in my 30 years and thinking, well, I didn't really have a very good work-life balance. Work seemed to really sort of take over my life, right. really. And it's, yeah. it, it, And I think, you know, I'm focusing on, sort of yeah getting a good balance and um being challenged you know doing a lot doing some work but also having some downtime as well i'm getting on as well phil you know so i just need to take oh, it yeah take it easy oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean it, you know I'm, I'm excited about the future but i'm also very happy in what i've got what i've achieved and um you know and um, not not pushing myself anymore yeah yeah I, I, 
you're definitely um, uh, earned the right to to do that for sure. You, uh, the um, and and I think you know what you're doing now is almost uh, you're giving back uh, as well. You're taking that knowledge that you've built up over your career, and it's there for people to engage with you on it uh, in many yeah. different forms. No, thank um, you. Yeah, no, I, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that. And, you know, I always say, you know, I've, I've not got all the answers. You know, the answers are, are within us. But, yeah. You know, you can share experiences and, you know, talk things through. And as I say, everyone's different. There's always different ways of doing it. But, you know, if you can draw on experience, then I think that helps as well. Absolutely. Um, before I let you go, there's a question I'd like to ask everyone that comes on the show. Have you, you got any funny stories from your career that, that are shareable? Mm. I think, well, I'm not sure how funny it was at the time or how funny it is now, but I think the one that sticks in my mind is when I was um, starting off my second hotel. It was at the Crest Hotel in Bexley that then became the Post House. Um, and I was an assistant manager and I was running a wedding. And uh, and there's usually stories connected to weddings. I was running a wedding and the, uh, <laughs> the wedding cake went AWOL, went missing. And what happened was that the we had a wedding the day before, and the and the the bride of the previous wedding had taken the new wedding cake back oh by mistake. God. So, and I can always remember, Granny from South Wales had made the cake <laughs> that went missing, and I just come on duty and realised that I was going to have to talk to Granny and the bride to tell them that. The homemade wedding cake was no longer oh, a nightmare. there, and the granny got very, very upset and almost sort of whacked me with her handbag as if it was all my fault. <laughs> and the, the, we did get the cake back, but not until about two days later. All right. So I guess looking back on it is funny. It wasn't funny at the time for granny or for the bride. No. Um, but yeah, I think that's that sticks in my mind. I think it was the first sort of incident I had to sort of deal with as a as a young assistant manager yeah 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 well I mean they're, they're full the hospitality is full of situations yes, like that isn't it exactly that's what exactly. teaches you the resilience and the problem solving skills it does yes yes wonderful okay well if if people would like to to get a hold of you David and, and chew the fat and learn a little bit more about you and your background what's the best method for them to do that Either message me via LinkedIn or I have a website, davidgarl.com. So it's quite easy to, uh, and my phone number's on there and I'm always, you know, welcoming, you know, phone call, direct phone calls or messages via, via email. Fantastic. You might regret that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I, I massively appreciate your time and uh, I'm so glad that we got there in the end yes. uh, to, to do this and, uh, and wish you all the very best with the the next chapter thank you and and to you it's been a pleasure thanks phil no worries at all take care cheers bye-bye cheers bye-bye and there we have it a huge thank you to david for his time and for giving us so many golden nuggets of leadership in our chat also demonstrating that you don't actually have to move companies in order to progress thanks so much david we'll be back next wednesday with more stories from hospitality but until then thanks for listening and we'll see you next week